That's right, you're listening to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show with Clancy Overall and myself, Errol Parker. We've got a big show coming up, don't we, Clance? Yes, we do, Errol. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We are coming live to you out of Baxter Booth Studio in Daru Street, downtown Batuta. We've got Rugby League and Travel TV royalty coming into the booth today, don't we, Clance? Yes, we certainly do. We've got Andrew Eddinghausen, also known as E.T., the 328-game rugby league legend, origin representative, and 20-year host of Escape with E.T. He'll be stopping by to wrap up the origin, shoot the shit about his career, and lots more. Now we are about to get into it as E.T. steps into the Baxter booth, but before we do, just a reminder to the good people of the channel country and indeed the nation, if you are in the market for some new boots, make them Baxter boots. Good, honest Australian boots. Don't waste your money on RMs. All of your money will go offshore. Anyway, let's get on with it. Today we are sitting with a triple threat. He worked in the past as a model. Uh, running on the beach with Tina Turner. He's worked as a uh, lifelong icon of the Cronulla Sharks and, of course, now uh, one of the longest TV careers in Australian history with Escape with ET. Thank you for joining us, Eddinghausen. How you doing, boys? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. And we're very glad to get you uh, in the wake of what, what has been one of the most entertaining origin series in some years. Uh, what, did you think of, what did you think of that, mate? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually happy with the whole series. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a lover of, uh, of of rugby league in general to try mm-hmm. to give it the best possible yeah voice out there. And uh, you know the the first game, well, it was a super toughie by you know the mm-hmm. Queenslanders uh, knocked over the Blues. They came from behind and mm-hmm. and uh, you know so a fantastic match. It, then over to Perth, and um, it was a bit of a touch-up over there. The Blues oh, yeah. came back, and uh, you know, in, a, in front of a huge Western Australia Perth crowd that was mm-hmm. unreal. So, you know, there was thirty odd points scored, but um, you know, you want to see everybody uh, enjoying the tries, yeah. and you know that that great part of the game that we can we can sort of celebrate. And then this this one, wow, this third one was an absolute cracker. That second half was true state of origin. Yeah. That was eight all at half time, and then oh my god, you know, you just didn't flip of a coin who was going to win. It was yeah. just so exciting. Now with that Perth match, uh, game two was sold out. Are you aware of a, of a rugby league following in Perth? I mean, you would have seen a bit more of this kind of uh, Australia wide rugby league thing when you were playing because there were, you know, there was a Super League and there was teams yeah, all over the country. The, uh, the Western, Western Reds, yep, Western Reds are over there. Yeah, yeah, we played a few games over there over yeah. the, over the years as well, and. Um, Always a great turnout. Mm. You know, you sort of think they're a million miles away, but you, yeah. they are when you, you fly over there. But uh, when you get there, they're just sport mad. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously Queenslanders and, mm-hmm. and dudes from New South Wales who have gone over and probably done a lot of mining and yeah. maybe just settled there. And yeah. you've, you've got lots of Kiwis there as well. So mm. they all understand the game of rugby league. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know, it's such a great thing when, uh, when you see, a, you know, the sold out. Uh, a full house, mm-hmm. and to see a game that's you know free flowing and lots of tries, you know, so they could yeah. really sit back in and the pouring rain too. Well, in the pouring rain, they yeah. turned out it was incredible. The funny thing is, it's like an AFL, you know, it's a cricket ground. Yeah, yep. 
And uh, when I played there before, you sort of you look to the left and you're about 100 miles away from the crowd, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's a bit like playing at the MCG, yeah. same like, sort of thing. Like a boxing match at Suncorp, you it know, is, just in the middle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so far away. It's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. But, they're, yeah, just incredible um, supporters over there. And, uh, yeah, really have a love for all sport, I think. So they're a bit like going down to Melbourne, you know. Melbourne's the home of sport. Yeah. Basically, it doesn't matter what it is. If you put it on an oval down there, they'll, they'll turn out in big numbers. The mm. same thing over there. And, um, yeah, it was great to see you got to see rugby league as it became no longer just the new south wales rugby league competition it expanded and now i guess it's safe to say after a cowboys premiership and you know countless broncos premierships it it's and a now sharks one too and a sharks one as well oh, <laughs> don't miss that one <laughs> <laughs> but the game is like the code nrl and uh, what's come to be is now uh, successfully spread across two states where would you say if they were to have another crack where would the next team be? Would you say they need another one in Queensland? Or would you say maybe push the boat out a bit further? Yeah, well, they've done extremely well with uh, the Melbourne Storm, obviously, having mm. so much success over the years. And, uh, you know, Bellamy down there has just been able to just weave his magic and get the best team together. And, mm. you know, they're, they're so competitive. You know, they, they pick someone from, from anywhere. Next minute, they're a star. You mm. know, they're, it's, yeah. it's quite amazing to see. And it's tr- it's tremendous to see them doing well down there and getting a real following as well. Mm. Um, so the games down there, I think it's, uh, you know, there's some big occasion matches coming up with Cam Smith, mm-hmm. 400th game and, Huge. you know, massive, massive, you know. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when you, you spread your wings, you've got to be pretty careful because yeah. obviously, uh, you know, we've tried it over there in WA before and we've actually had a um, a team down in South Australia back in those Super League years. The Rams. The Rams, the, Rams, the old Rams. They didn't last too yeah. long, but you know what? They actually supported down there. I remember going, yeah. one, you know, I played in one of the games down there and, and there was a good turnout. So yeah. I think... Um, Kerrod Walters does bring a crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kerrod, out of the three Walters boys, he's probably the probably the, the biggest name. <laughs> no, but um, when, it, when it, it comes to sort of spreading your wings, you've got... Queensland, which is a real powerhouse. Yep. Yeah. Um, they've been down Brisbane, the Goldie, which are only an hour, hour away from mm. each other. Uh, you've got Townsville a million miles up the coast. Yeah. Um, you know, those areas in between there, you know, probably the Mackay and yeah. the Rocky, those sort of areas. Yeah. Very strong rugby league. Yeah. They haven't had much of a representation except for lots of players mm-hmm. filtering through the, the NRL. But yeah, I don't think I'd go to, to Victoria again. I think I'd no. just stick there, keep mm. that keep that happening. Very hard to break in through there. I mean, the yeah. AFL have done it pretty good up here yeah. with the Giants and, mm-hmm. and the, obviously the Swanee's getting a lot of backing over the yeah, years yeah, as yeah. well. And uh, two big growth areas, especially out west. But yeah, I think maybe yeah, mid mid north coast of Queensland, yeah, somewhere yeah. there, would be pretty Rocky cool. Mackay, yeah, 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 Rocky Mackay, you'd get, or even oh. out to Ipswich. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's where the that's where the Walters boys are from. I yeah. think, and old you, Alfie. You know what sounds really good, just rolls off the tongue, is the Ipswich Sharks. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we won't be we won't be moving oh, that far. Uh, God help yeah. me! Come on, give us a break. The, the landlocked the, Ipswich the Sharks. Sharkies, oh, Sharkies have just won. <laughs> they're uh, yeah. their only maiden, well, maiden premiership. Ipswich Tigers. Ipswich Tigers could be a go. Ipswich Magpies. Yeah. Go the full AFL model of moving the team. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> or you just move the Titans out and just admit that that experiment's failed. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they haven't had too much success <laughs> over the years. But I reckon if you put a team up in, yeah, like around that Rocky Mackay yeah. out that yeah. area, wow, you'd end up getting some good crowds. Yeah. But also... You'd have success up there, I'd reckon. Yeah, they should bump the cutters up, actually, because yeah, that's, that's a cutters. great rugby league name, the Mackay Cutters. That's good, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us, you started your fishing show, Escape with ET, while playing one day a week. 
how, how did that come about? Well, I'd sort of announced my retirement. I was yeah. uh, 34, heading towards 35 and going, right, this is, this is yeah. it. Time to uh, move on at the end of the year. And I thought, wow, what am I going to do? I'd, I'd had um, experience in uh, with the three networks, actually ch- Channel 7, 9 and 10 doing yeah. different bits. A little bit for the great outdoors and old outdoor show. Um, and I'd done some stuff with Channel 9. So I liked the television industry. I knew it would be something that would, you know, I'd like to sort of follow a path in. Yeah. But... You know, I remember doing some stuff, and you you basically with the networks, you're told where to go and where you've got to you've got to go over here for three months and do this or two months there. So get away in those sort of shows, those outdoor lifestyle shows. They take a hell of a lot of time, a lot, yeah. lot of lot of time away as well. And I I remember going on a uh, a trip up to the Northern Territory with Tony Lockett, the great yeah. AFL player, and and uh, I was on with uh, Rexy Hunt. Mm-hmm. Now, Rex Hunt had this show, you know, it's the first of the fishing shows, and he took myself and, and Plugger away, and we had the best week up there. It was insane, you know. We were catching fish and, mm. you know, swimming in the pool. And I remember at the end of one of the days up there, Rexy looked over, and we'd had a great day out on the water, and he said, well, E.T., how do you like my office? Yeah. <laughs> I went, mate, this is what I want to do, yeah. you know. And so uh, I sort of worked pretty hard to um, – to get a little production company up in that last year and mm-hmm. uh, um, I put oh, that many proposals out to all the different networks and in the end Foxtel would just ca- had just come on board and and Fox 8 said oh yeah we'll give you a run if you mm-hmm. want to um, want to put something together so I had Wednesdays off training fly out Tuesday night film all day Wednesday and had to be back for 10am training session on Thursday morning so I only had the one day and I just lucked it I ended up with 22 shows that year yeah, Foxtel took it, and at the end of the year, when I when I did retire, Channel Nine took it on and uh, had it for uh, eight or nine years, and and then we moved to Channel Ten. So you you that was all on you. That was yeah. that was no management involved. You just said no. That so. was just my gig. That one. I, I sort of wanted to do something, and I you know with success in life, yeah, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're getting troops all over the place, I just thought, you know, I want to be in control of what I'm doing. So, yeah, in the end, it was just uh, no management. It was it was pretty much me putting my hand up saying this is where I want to go. And, yeah, still doing it 20 years later. So they weren't prepared to take uh, 23 episodes of you just going up and down the Cooks River, you know, just <laughs> trawling for kingfish. Exactly, yeah. I've done a bit of that over the years anyway. <laughs> you had to do a bit of flying, though. Yeah. I was... Yeah, sometimes we had yeah. to uh, fly out. I didn't go anywhere further than Queensland or mm. or um, or Melbourne, so mm. I got uh, got some bits and pieces done. But since then, yeah, been travelling all over the Pacific, and you know, I spend a hell of a lot of time up in Queensland because the, the weather's good and the the fishing's great as well. Yeah. So yeah, but all the way around the countries, you know, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Rivers inland, and you know, we've got the beautiful coast of Australia and yeah. so many remote places from cold old Tassie. You got yeah. trout and things down there up to Barramundi and all that good stuff up in the top top end. Now, Rex Hunt, a lot of Queenslanders particularly don't realise, and a lot of New South Wales uh, viewers wouldn't realise that Rex came from a career in football as well, AFL. That really was, uh, he kind of paved the way in that regard, and that's pretty interesting for a 34-year-old guy who's played football his whole career to get a production <laughs> company organised in, in yeah. between training sessions. Well, that was how, that's how it was pretty much. It yeah. was sort of like, okay, what am I going to do? You yeah. know, you're a long time retired. Yeah. and uh, But Rex had just laid that platform. He'd been going yeah. for a couple of years and he'd had enormous success. I think he started on at like 11pm at night. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody was thinking about a fishing show and then everybody and his dog was watching it. So yeah. he got moved to a 5.30 slot. Yeah, I was on it uh, on Channel 9 the years going by. 
on Channel 9 at 5.30. He was on Channel 7 at 5.30. Oh, and he'd, oh, right. he'd ring me up afterwards and he'd go, oh, he'd tell you that was a great, yeah. great show, mate. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, so we had a good rapport, actually. Yeah. It was... Um, you know, it's nice sort of to work work with a guy in the same sort of almost the same job, but uh, you know, having that respect was nice. And he played a lot. I think he played three hundred games. Yeah, right. um, AFL. Yeah. So he was, you know, uh, and a lot of people don't know yeah. too much about so, that. Same with Sam Kegovich. Everyone just thinks he's from the Lamb ad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That dude who does the Lamb stuff. He looks <laughs> yeah. like a yeah. He looks a tough dude. <laughs> I guess you could say Rex Hunt unwittingly created a competitor in the space when he took you out on the boat in Darwin. <laughs> Absolutely, he did. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't sort of, uh, but you know, it was a supporter thing. I remember when he had, um, you know, this is your life, and uh, and they did a big, a big, a big night for him. Yeah. And um, yeah, I went down to Melbourne and uh, and appeared at that as well. You know, so it was sort of there was never any, you know. Love lost between the two of us. It was just uh, you know support, and it was great to see that fishing was sort of getting a bit of a, a bit of airing out there. So mm-hmm. it was it was cool. Where's the best fishing? Yeah, well, on the way to here this morning, I was thinking about all the times that I've been for a fish in Victoria, and you never catch anything in Melbourne ever. <laughs> you have to go at the right time of the year down there. It's mm. really like you know you have to. Uh, November's the month for snapper, so if yeah. you want to catch snapper, you've got to be there in November. It's pretty mm. much like that on the fringes of those you know of you know October and December. You you're still going to catch some, but. Yeah, November's the real key month for snapper down in Port Phillip Bay. So when's the best time? Because now that we're in the colder months now and there's not much on, where do you go to catch fish now if you can't afford to go up to the top end? Yeah, well, you've still got some species down there. You've got King George Whiting, which are a beautiful eating yeah. fish. You've got lots of squid and squid are a, squid are a beauty. There's uh, even mulloway and kingfish starting to turn up. I think the... You know, people are sort of talking about the warm water and the way that, you know, the ocean is sort of warming up. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more species down down in Victoria. The the tuna are probably the number one thing at the moment. Yeah. There. They have those bluefin tuna, yeah. absolute monsters. They grow to like 140 kilo. They've been catching them. So they're, yeah. they're just, you know, a couple of meters long. They're huge. Yeah. And so everybody's sort of all over those big tuna at the minute. And they've got massive trailer boats and... But if you get look for the, the new year, like, you know, if you're sort of February, March, you've got guys from Victoria travelling to the, the bottom end of New South Wales, to that Bermagui and yeah, Eden yeah, and yeah. all those areas and chasing billfish. And you can turn up there on a Wednesday, honestly, no school holidays, and there'll be 200 boats down there, all Victorians, who are just out there catching marlin and, mm-hmm. and having an absolute good old time. So it's changed a lot down there, and so there's still some good options. Yeah, right. Tell us a little bit about, you said the, the water heating up. Is that like a, a long-term thing? Because, you know, up north they're torn in North Queensland between whether it is the water that's changing or whether the sharks are playing a big part in their fishing or whether it is commercial fishing. What 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 have you noticed, the changes, since you really started first getting out on the boat? Yeah, well, absolutely. The water's definitely getting warmer. Um, <laughs> you know, it's sort of a, you go down to Tassie now and they've got species down there they, they didn't have, you know, 10 years ago. Yep. So, and even, even things like... Uh, uh, sea urchins, which are one of those real horrible, you know, spiky sort yeah, of things. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like black and got tons of spikes on them. Well, they've invaded Tassie now and they've right. come down with that warm current and they're eating all the beautiful big uh, sea grasses and things down in, in Victoria. So they're a real, uh, sorry, in Tassie, they're a real pest down there. But um, kingfish have started turning up in big numbers in Victoria as well. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's species that are sort of, um, you know, not normally found down there. Yeah all starting to appear. So that's been a really big change and um, a notable one as well. 
Um, as far as, uh, you know, the water temperature going up in Queensland, I reckon there'll be crocodiles in Brisbane pretty soon. So <laughs> yeah. been, been, hey, the old love, they'll be swimming up and down the main river there, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Brizzy River, because yeah. the, the waters are getting warmer and um, yeah. it's amazing. Even now in New South Wales, you know, we're catching fish uh, right down towards Sydney, which never, you know, were never down there in the past. They're all just, yeah. Uh, yeah, just turned up out of the blue when these warmer currents have been pushing down. So, mm. yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing, but it's Mother Nature, I guess. You just uh, don't know what's going to happen next. Have you noticed any areas where that have been overfished as well? Yeah, 100%. You know, like you, you notice the difference around Sydney in yeah. particular. Yeah. You know, a couple of days ago, um, I went. Well, I've, I'll tell you a bit of a story. I got I got a mate who fishes every just about every chance he gets, and every Saturday if I'm home, he'll ring me up the night before and say, "Hey, I'll pick you up." You know, yeah. I've so, got a, I've got a mate that I think would be keen to go for a fish. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he, t- he, he he takes me out in his his, his little boat, and we uh, we go out. And most days we just call it a boating day because we catch yeah. no fish, you know. And it's it gets quite disappointing after a while. And so we're out there um, last weekend, and I'm thinking, oh gosh. I've got to get somewhere where there's there actually is some fish. So I shot down to Batemans Bay, which is a few hours drive down the coast, and and uh, I fished up until um, well yesterday uh, down there for two days. And you know we're catching snapper after snapper, and you know all these fish just exactly the same techniques we're using off the coast of Sydney, but nothing. Mm-hmm. And down there you're catching fish, you know. So it really does show that over the years there's been a lot of commercial fishing and. And whilst things have changed enormously now, it takes a long while for those stocks to come back. Yeah. And, you know, that replenishment, um, you know, when you've wiped out so many fish, big breeding fish over yeah. so many years, they just they just don't come back overnight. So so the rules have changed a little bit for those for those. Oh, 100%, boats. yeah. yeah. And, and we do another show. I do the Escape with ET show, but I also do a seafood escape show where we yeah. take a chef out on the water yeah. on commercial boats. Yeah. And we actually work out on the boats for the day and we see exactly what goes on. Because most people sit there and look at a big, trawl and go oh that guy's raping and pillaging the ocean you know he's taking everything but when you actually get on board and you talk to these guys and they're all about sustainability and wanting to see uh, great things happen so that their kids can can you know go out there and catch fish and 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 all that stuff so you know i think um you know whilst it's been probably uh, poor in the past over the last 10 years it's really come back to the fold and we're seeing you know bigger numbers of fish those bluefin tuna you never caught them off sydney or down the south coast and now there's, you know, plentiful sort yeah. of tuna coming back in massive numbers. And, you know, it's all because there's been policing. The general commercial fishing industry has, has picked up its game and everyone is looking for a sustainable fishery. Yeah, well, that's what they were kind of going on about that, um, how the Murray Cod now, it's, it's completely just come back. You know, it was on the brink. And now it's come back in a big way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, the Murray Cod, they were getting wiped out left, yeah. right and centre. You know, the local local dude would go fishing there and he'd put uh, 20 set lines along yeah. a, a riverbank, you know, with a big witchetty grub on them. And, uh, yeah, you'd virtually catch every one of those big fish and they'd string them up. And, you know, the photos of, you know, a big long piece of rope with about 30 fish all hanging off it of the past, you know, yeah. that was sort of what it was. But these days, you know, there's so much um, catch and release as well. People are doing yeah. it just to, you know, look after the, the species. They catch one, they'll bring it bring it up, get a photo and slip him back in the water. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, that sort of stuff's amazing. And yeah. it was Rex Hunt who used to, who virtually initiated all that. He, he kissed the fish and sent them back yeah, over, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. amazing, you know. I think a few people might have 
come unstuck when they were fishing. <laughs> they, were, they were kissing those big toothy fish and might, yeah. have, might have had a bit of a nibble. But that's a, it was just a great thing and it got the younger generation who were watching the shows sort of yeah. in the gear of, hey, this isn't a bad thing. Let's keep yeah. one for a feed and let the other five go. Yeah, you saw, you saw in the 90s you'd see rulers coming out. You know what I mean? That was never a thing. Yeah. That was never a thing, Kids yeah. carrying some, you know, some... some and a brag mat. Yeah. That's yeah. it, the brag yeah. mats, yeah. exactly. Saying, oh, well, this is how big my fish was and, wow, look yeah. at him swim away. Yeah. Like early on in the piece when I started doing that, you know, you'd get sort of uh, people come up to me in the street go, oh, you caught those beautiful snapper, but you let the bloody things go, <laughs> you know? Like they just, they, were, they just couldn't believe it, you yeah. know? The older generation was sort of uh, shaking their heads. So when was the last time you paid for a rod? I mean, like... <laughs> Obviously, now that you've got uh, the biggest kind of show of its type in the country, you know, obviously you'd have people that were just trying to give you stuff all the time, you know, oh, oh, here are some lures, you know, you know, here's some new braid, here's, here's some new leader. Yeah, but you know, they don't give you anything for nothing, you know, the funny yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. you're always working for it, so, yeah, yeah. you know, you're obliged to then go and, uh, you know, talk use about the rod. products yeah. and use those rods or the, yeah. you know, it could yeah. be a boat or a car or whatever it happens to be, but um, generally the commercial deals and... You know, people sort of think that you go on uh, television and the television station pays you to have that show on. But yep. what's happened the last 10 years, basically, you go on to get a time slot. You actually have to pay for that time time slot. And every, you know, if you're on at uh, four o'clock in an afternoon on a Saturday, you might be paying, you know, 6000 bucks an episode. Yeah. And so you've actually got to, you know, where are you getting that money from? You know, yeah. you've actually got to come up with all that before you even, uh, even start. So yeah. So before you turn the camera on, you've got to come up with, you know, 100 grand or 150 yeah. grand or whatever it happens to yeah. be. So, you know, you've got to have those sponsors and it's yeah. an unfortunate part of it. You want to have, you know, you want to be <laughs> able to just uh, do yeah. a fishing show, but yeah. in the end you sort of end up having to spruik yeah, about yeah. a whole pile of different companies. But And then they and yeah, then they get you in for the MC, the AGM, and then they've, they've got <laughs> yeah. you locked in. <laughs> got you locked in there. You're a fishing influencer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, tell us, did you grow up, you grew up in the Shire? Yeah, grew up in the Shire, so um, uh, yeah, all my childhood but basically in the Shire. With the fishing side, my grandparents had a little tidal waterfront on the central coast of New South Wales, so that's right. where I spent all my school holidays. Right. And on uh, my dad's side, he was from down in Kangaroo Valley, which is sort of all dairy farms and stuff down the south coast, so another great, great spot to grow up, you know, mm. so I, I spent my time between fishing up there and, and down on the farms chasing rabbits, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah real cool. And then, obviously... The Shire is a is a rugby league rugby league and fishing really. Yeah, well, fishing and footy that were the two, were the two things for me. Mm. And football was sort of you know rugby league was you know the game that I, I got put in as a six year old and yeah it was just lucky to play with a whole bunch of mates all the way through school mm. and they're all the guys I went to school with which was great so they're all my close mates still today. So what was your um, experiences with going back to the footy for a second there the Super League you were in on that early on. Well, the sharks were anyway. How did that come about? That that just sounds. And we've had a few people come in here and talk about it. We've had uh, Matty Rogers, and we've had. Yeah, um, he told us a very entertaining yarn about how he had signed to go and play for the sharks, and his old man, he he caught the wind of it and was like, "You little bastard!" You yeah, know, like, exactly. Yeah, you, you turn your back on the yeah. You, you, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, it was a, it's a it was a tough it was a tough time. You know, the funny thing was oh, we were playing the Western Reds. Yeah. So this yeah. was a, so we travelled across there, and I I was actually injured for the game, but they took me across it um, as I was the captain of the side or whatever, and I. 
I went to Crime beating Brecky, and I'm I'm there just uh, chewing on me bacon and eggs before the Knights game, and I got a tap on the shoulder by the chief executive, and just said, "I oh, look after Brecky. Can you come up to my room? I just want to have a chat with you." So I've you know basically walked up to the room, knocked on the door, opened the door, and there would have been twenty people inside that room. <laughs> I'm going, what is going on here? How old I are you? Absolutely, you're in your twenties. Yeah, late twenties. <laughs> no, I absolutely no idea what was going on. And uh, so I've walked in, and there are all these people I didn't know. And, and in the end, they were all you know news limited people, mm-hmm. uh, lawyers, and you know PR people, and our whole board of directors was there, and. And uh, and our chairman has ended up, you know, basically, I said, what's going on, boys? And he said, (laughs) he said, well, um, we've just uh, signed across to this new uh, Super League. Mm -hmm. I'm going, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's how how crazy it was. It was sort of something that, that, uh, you know, that, you know, obviously Rupert had bought, um, you know, Foxtel. And he knew that he needed the the number one gigs on Foxtel to make it happen. And sports, the premier television viewing so he was looking at the uh, the ARL back then yeah. yeah you know obviously uh, on the other side at the same time the Kerry Packer and all his crew was so he was sort of trying to round up as many as he yeah, could yeah. you know Just but they basically said to me look you know the Brisbane Broncos are signing up right at this moment as well uh, the Canberra Raiders and, and basically between the Canberra Raiders and the Brisbane Broncos, they were the two state of origin teams, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah. you had Alfie and, you know, yeah. Renouf and all the boys up there for, for Queensland. And then for New South Wales, you had, you know, Laurie Daly and yep. Ricky Stewart and the whole gamut of players from Canberra. So they said, look, you can ring those boys up if you like and have a chat and they'll be telling you exactly the same thing. <laughs> They're all coming across to this new competition. And for our club, it was sort of, we were about 14 million in debt. Yep. the Sharkies. You know, mm-hmm. we were in a not a very good position. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up being the deal wiped the debt instantly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it kept uh, the yeah. Sharks alive, really. Yeah. And, you know, I'd played for the Sharks for oh, probably about 15 years at that stage, so or, or maybe 13 years at that stage. And it was, you know, I was only ever dreaming of playing at the Sharks all the way through my whole life. So mm-hmm. there was no way I was going to go to another club. Yeah. yeah. And yet yeah, I, Adelaide. I know. So I'm, I'm, down, I'm down there going, oh, my God, okay. Well, mm-hmm. And so I ended up finding out all the nitty-gritty about it all. And, you know, it was a pretty tough decision. We finished the game against the Reds. We got bussed back to a, uh, a big hotel. And then um, I had to sort of address the, the players and mm-hmm. tell them that, hey, <laughs> look, I'm going this way because I want to stay with the Cronulla Sharks and this is the club that I – but you guys have got to make your own decisions up. And you'd had the day to think about it. I'd had the day to think about it. And these guys had zero time to think about yeah, it. Yeah. They wanted to sign them up that night. Yeah. So right. it was sort of like without talking to anybody. I'm <laughs> well, kind of going, hang on, this can't be – they can't be binding anyway, you know, like – but, you know, the, the dollars went from, you know, guys on – 80 grand to guys on 240 grand. <laughs> so they're going, hang on, you know, pass, they pass. bring up Darling and going, uh, I, think we, I think we might swap over. Yeah, so it all happened in a bit of a... Uh, Excuse yeah. me, ET, can you pass me that pen? Um, yeah. the, the worst thing was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd come back after the boys were able to talk to their partners and, and their, their wives and girlfriends just said, oh, just do whatever ET does. Now, that, that oh. is my worst nightmare, yeah, you know. Yeah, right. I was sort of going, no, I don't want you to... You don't want yeah. you to make your own decisions yeah. because this is the reason why I'm making my decision. Yeah. But anyway, it was um, it changed the whole game. You know, a lot of people talk about it negatively, but realistically, it became a professional sport after that. Yeah. Yeah. And we had things like superannuation, and you know, there was sick. You know, there were so many. You know, 
support network, support network yeah, yeah. put in place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, both codes battled against each other only for a couple of years before Kerry Packer bought into Foxtel yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, they won Big Happy Family. You know, I think they spent $500 million or something on the, yeah. on the war. But, um, <laughs> you know, crazy sort of money. The yeah. players got plenty, so they're all happy. Yeah, yeah. And I think I signed a five-year contract, so I was pretty happy as well. <laughs> Yeah, Rogers, uh, he did say that. He said he pulled in and, and he said uh, another interesting aspect was the club had put on all the grog. So they're sitting there exactly. with these trays of Coronas <laughs> and whatever. It's like, hey, guys, you've got 10 minutes to figure this out. <laughs> figure this out quickly. Yeah. Now, that, that is interesting and it actually is part of the, the story of the game. But did you notice, and you know, when people talk about 22 professional rugby league clubs, that they might have been spreading the talent a bit thin? Did you, mm. did you play a few matches where you're like, okay, this guy... Should go back to Wyong, I reckon. Yeah, well, there, were, there were a lot of reserve graders playing first grade, you know, and yeah. a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, it was a in, for the players who were at that time. It was a, it was a pretty cool thing for them, you know. They with the Super League, we'd actually go into meetings, and all the chief executives would be in one room, and all the captains would be in the other room, and we'd be talking about all the same issues, and then we'd come together, and then we'd beat it all out and get the best for the game. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that never happened before. It was all played, you know, behind closed doors and you never had any say in anything. So, you know, there were a lot of advantages and, you know, the game became professional. You started, you know, it wasn't the Tuesday night, Thursday night and Saturday morning run. It was all day Monday, all day Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday and Friday, full days as well, you know. So it became very professional. All the athletes, as you can see today, super fast game. You know, the athletes are amazing. They're doing weights from, you know, they're straight out of the cradle doing weights. You know, like it's yeah. really Pilates. Yeah, Pilates, yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole works. It's changed out of sight. Yeah. And um, you know, I think the game, the level of the game has has picked up as far as cleanliness, mm-hmm. all the stick and the head highs. You know, we saw some pretty bad uh you know, incidents happen over the years with players getting so many head highs that they got, you know, brain damage and yeah. things like that. You know, Adam Ritson comes to mind, a magnificent player. He would have been an easy walk up to an Australian team, but he was hit in the head that many times yeah. from 18 to about 20 that, you know, basically w- almost wiped him yeah, out of yeah. the game. You know, so fortunately we don't see that anymore. We see a hard, tough game and, you know, we, we loved the origin mm-hmm. that second yeah. half. Everyone was into it and they yeah. were bashing each other, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it was nice to see the referees give them a little bit of <laughs> leeway as well. Yeah. You were part of uh, the Cronulla Sharks puberty when they really became a, a full-blown rugby league franchise. Yeah. How was it to see them finally get that premiership? Because you were on the sideline. We saw you there. Oh, yeah. It was uh, – well, it had been such an amazing year. They, I think they won like 16 or 17 games games in yeah. a row like they had a fabulous team mm. and when you look at that team I remember talking to the coach early in the preseason I'm looking around I'm going holy moly these you know you got the top cattle here there wasn't anybody who was going to be you know under an eight rating yeah. player you know yeah. they were all top line players so I felt they had a really good chance and I just sort of was I went to a lot of games that year I was there in the dressing room had lots of chats with the players had a, and it was a real together feeling but they just knew they were going to you yeah. know they were going to perform and when it came down to the big occasion, you know, I was sitting there on the sideline. I they, I got a, a call um, that week, which was amazing, and they just said, would I like to um, present the, the medals to the, the winning team out on the field after the game? And I just went, oh, my God, you mm-hmm. know, like that's, that's what a great honour that is, you mm-hmm. know. Like um, normally you'd be sitting 
you know, 20 rows back up in the in the breaches and yeah. watching the game from there. But I was able to – I was going to be up there and maybe the Sharks were going to win, which I, I felt they were pretty confident. And so it was just an incredible thing standing on the sideline just before the end of the game and I'm going, oh, no, Melbourne are just about yeah. to score. Yeah. You know, and they just – that one guy, I can't remember who it was, just all he had to do was throw the ball to the left and he was – you know, the, the Sharks had lost the, another grand final. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and somehow he went to the ground and – Stadium went quiet. I don't think they could believe it themselves. Yeah. Every every Sharky fan there, I reckon, when ninety thousand Shark supporters yeah. there, and there wasn't a boo. And then everyone's looking up, and, and they realise the Sharks had actually won the grand final. It was like, you know, it was incredible. <laughs> you and can turn the porch light off. <laughs> you can turn the porch light off, and you know, it was it was just a great occasion. And you know, I went out on the field and congratulated him. Big Gal turned around and he saw me and come chase running over. And you know, we'd spent a lot of uh, a lot of time over the years, you know, talking about you know the reason why you played for the club, and that's why I played for so long. You know, you wanted to win. A competition with the Sharks. You know, you go yeah. to another club three quarter way through your career and you win a comp, okay, well, that's yeah. great, but, you know, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so for all those, you know, hundreds of players who had played for the Sharks and all the administrators and all the people who'd put everything and the supporters, it was a great thing. Yeah. You know, it was a really cool, cool thing to be a part of. There's only one club left that hasn't won, isn't it? There's, it's only the Titans. <laughs> Yeah, probably the Titans. <laughs> but I know the Rocky. Uh, yeah, moving up to yeah, Rocky. Yeah, the Rocky Titans. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get one. <laughs> and uh, just quickly, uh, we have asked this to to a lot of league players. Did you ever get approached by rugby union? And were you ever tempted? Because again, when we spoke to Matty Rogers, he goes, "I certainly didn't take a." a pay cut to go and play <laughs> exactly for the wobs yeah you know. yeah exactly no I, rem- I remember when maddie went across and um you know i'd spoken to him at the at the end of that season and he and he said you know he's got an offer and i just sort of said mate you got to do what you do best now yeah. you know like and that's that's how it is you know you had israel full out playing you know afl as well as playing yeah. rugby union as and you know that's what you are you're an athlete out in that marketplace and you know it really wasn't you know, rugby union back in those days was probably more on that amateur side. You know, yeah. it was more of a boys' club, but yes. amateur side. And and I missed that when Maddie sort of uh, got offered. Yeah, that was um, after, to play. It was just after, after they after, after the Olympics. Exactly, yeah. they just started to change their whole mm. view and started to look at. Yeah. They got Wendell Saylor across yeah. as well. They they started, but it was just probably a couple of a years. Bit too late. Yeah, yeah, a little bit too late for me. But uh, as far as other clubs, you know, I had had plenty of opportunities over the years. To yeah. I remember coming back on kangaroo tours, and uh, our our coach was Bob Bob Fulton was the coach, and he coached Manly as well. You know, and he, he'd pull up chair next to me on the flight. And he'd, you know, will ET, you know, like uh, we could work together again. He said, well, when's your contract up? I go, oh no, here we go. You know, he said, well, you know, whenever you know, if you ever want to want to win a premiership, <laughs> when it comes. To- uh, so anyway, <laughs> but you also—I mean, you as we said at the start of the episode—you were a bit of a, you were the face of rugby league. You and Piercy running down the, running down the beach. How can you tell us how that changed? You know, your public figure a little bit. You guys were in budgie smugglers running alongside Tina Turner. Did you start noticing a few different types of fans after that? Well, that, that was exactly why they did it, you know. <laughs> I, I think the, the game was a, a real hard game and it yeah. was a bit of a, you know, it was a tough game, lots of head highs and, you yeah. know, it was, you know, people getting mm. injured and it was often a battle of attrition, you know, out on the field. Yeah. But, you know, they obviously knew that they were losing such a massive part of the marketplace out there with the females and, and girls 
pretty much watching it maybe here and there on television, but not going to any of the games. Mm-hmm. And that led to you know the the, the mums not uh, bring not letting their little boys or girls these days play rugby league. You mm-hmm. know, so um, they put a really big effort into that. The Tina Turner campaign. <laughs> I think it was a one of the best ones that yeah. probably any sport's yeah. done. Well, they won over all the mums because they all love Tina too. Exactly, yeah. well, Tina's sensational. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic, even meeting her. You know, yeah. it was a, it was a big thrill. But you know, they they sort of brought the game together and they pulled players from a number of different teams. And you know, the Wayne Pierces and Alfie Langers and a whole range of players who who'd represented their states or country. So everybody sort of knew them, but they didn't know them in that light. You know, yeah. and uh, and it was sort of a fantastic thing for the game. I think that was a whole new era. You know, mm-hmm. brought in. You know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of new new um, new supporters. So, uh, you reckon you got any new fans now that you're on a Survivor this season? Well, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's going to be interesting. But um, you know, I've always been a massive fan of Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, was something that um, you know I never dreamed that I'd get the opportunity to do. It was you know we'd sit on the lounge as a family and we'd have Survivor nights, you know, and we'd, yeah, we'd yeah. be you know cursing when this person did that or when Matty Rogers got voted off. You know, last year <laughs> I was going what? You yeah. know, I'm I'm never watching Survivor again. <laughs> but, you know, I watched the next episode yeah. of course, and Benji yeah. got voted off, so I was happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was uh, you know one of those one of those incredible um, incredible uh, games that you just never think you're going to get a, a chance to ever do so yeah, yeah and I, you would have been early days late ninety second I could do this yeah back in the day yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> these yeah. days I'm going gosh you know walking along with me bung right leg and got, you know <laughs> saw here there and everywhere are you going to be the villain are you going to bring in the mind games are you going to you know, oh well, turn, turn them against each other. Oh, you know, I, I'm just—I guess I'm not really a villain in in life. So it's, yeah. it's going to I'm going to have to pull something out of the box to sort of carry yeah. that one off. You've been spending 20 years with a rod in the water. You're not exactly uh, the competitive animal you once were. Is that what you're worried about? Oh no, the competition's <laughs> there. I, I like to win at everything. I, everything I partake in, if yeah. I can. But it's um, yeah, it's definitely going to be. Uh, you know, it's a whole different ball game when you, you you're matching sort of people up against each other and in the challenges and and then teams against teams and then you've got all this other stuff behind the scenes. You know, you've got to have the right alliance. You know, you've you've got to have the social game right up to speed because if you're not liked by by the people in your team, well, they're going to vote you off pretty quick. Mm. So there's so many elements, and uh, you know, I think that's why why it is the greatest game. You know, now just uh, just before we wrap, et, we're going to ask you. You know, obviously, good luck with Survivor and, and good luck with the year ahead here. But uh, as far as the NRL Premiership, who have you got tipped at this moment to bring it home? Ooh, she's a tough one. You know, we've got some newcomers this year, like yeah. uh, the Newcastle have been up there as well. Mm-hmm. The Raiders have actually turned their fortunes around and doing okay at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still, you know, it comes down to those teams who, the best, generally the best defensive teams mm-hmm. win the competition. Mm-hmm. It's not even the best attacking teams. It's, it's all based on defence. And when you yep. look at the table at the moment, you'll probably find Melbourne way ahead mm-hmm. up on top, and they're going to be the ones who are going to be, you know, whoever beats Melbourne will win the comp, you mm-hmm. know, because otherwise Melbourne will win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the Roosters have got a fantastic fantastic team when you look at some of the players that are rolling Tedesco you know like what a player he is yeah you know he is just especially uh, after last night oh yeah that's exactly it but you know you talk about Billy Slater's Tedesco's right up in that sort of you know he can he can do things magical things out of nothing yeah so um you know and he's they got a really strong team Latrell Latrell when he gets back into his best like you know Cordner they're just if you go right through their team they got a cracking team as well Mm -hmm. 
Um, the Rabbitohs are even up there these, yeah. this year, yeah. you know. And yeah, they're third, aren't they? Yeah, the they're, they're going okay as well. And whilst I don't, um, you know, I don't feel they're probably as consistent as the Roosters and the Storm, they'll they'll give it a bit of a, a tilt uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I think they've got that at X factor. Yeah, magic that, that you need. You got to have X factor to beat Melbourne on the day. Yeah, hundred percent. You got to have that X factor. If you've if you've got that, well, then you've got a, a real yeah. chance. I think that's yeah. that's why the Sharkies won back in two thousand sixteen. Exactly. They had that X factor. You know, yeah, you had these. You know. Dudes who could do something out of out of nothing. You got the feet of the meter eater. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't be fun tackling. He'd want him on your side, wouldn't you? No way. <laughs> Every day of the week. Now, well, ET, we wish you all the best of luck. Hopefully, you bring the X factor to Survivor, and um, the tribe will speak. And hopefully, you're the final man standing. <laughs> well, that'd be awesome. That's that's, that's what I, that's my goal anyway. <laughs> Thanks for joining oh, yeah. us, mate. Thanks. Great guys. Uh, thank you very much, ET. Great rap. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on Australian Survivor. Uh, hope you do well. Hope you continue to catch more fish. We look forward to seeing that uh, Batuta Advocate Fishing Club hat on Escape with ET sometime soon. Thanks for joining us, mate. And thank you for listening, listeners. My name's Clancy Overall. You be kind to each other. And my name is Errol Parker. Don't talk to the cops and stay out of the pokies. <laughs>